Cheers. Hey, how's it going? Uh, welcome to episode 7 of Hoff Solo. This one, I guess, would be the Hoff Awakens. If we're going by Star Wars movie terms. I've been awake for a little while. I'd like to think I will awaken tomorrow with energy, but it's probably not going to happen. You know, I need to go to work for 12 and a half hours. Probably not going to have that, uh... Have that energy. I've been uh, been uh, partying hard this week. Went to a concert, hung out with friends, uh, trying to get a lot of shit done. It's been a busy week. Been a busy week for Hoff. But at the end of this, before my work week, I'm here with a brand new podcast for you. Just for you. Hey, hey. Oh yeah, uh, it is Thursday, July 19th, 2018, and uh, I will be 30 years old tomorrow. Hell yeah, right? Uh, 30, made it, made it 30 years. I'm getting old. It's a new decade in your life when you get to 30. It's it's weird because you, growing up, you always you think about how weird that. 30 year olds can be because when you're like in your like teens or or you know childhood years you th- you think about that you're like that's way too far away from me I, c- I can't even imagine what being 30 is like or having to deal with 30 year old problems so I'm just going to enjoy my life I'm gonna go out and skateboard stay inside play video games uh, maybe work on a homework Maybe do a couple questions from uh, from that page, and then bullshit the rest. But the rest of the time, it's it, when you hear the word thirty or I mean forty sounds ancient. Forty still sounds really, really old to me, and I'm not looking forward to that in another ten years. But my my new uh, my, my resolution for this next decade is to make my thirties count. I kind of made the 20s just uh, party time. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, th- this The 30s, I got I to gotta make shit happen in my 30s. I got to make things happen. I got to do things. I have to uh, get a plan and make sure that I have some sort of future that I can depend on. Because at, at this moment, I, I, right now I don't. I've been to college. I have a degree. I have a minor in music. I have a uh, associates in art. I know those aren't the the most profitable degrees to have. Probably better than some. I would have been a graphic designer if my professor had ever shown up to class, but he didn't. So I didn't take it after a semester because I wasn't learning anything and it was too expensive. Wasn't getting anywhere with that. I like doing it, just wasn't getting anywhere with it. So yeah, I got I got to make the thirties count. Got I got to make things happen. I got to be more diligent. I got to be on my shit. I want to be married in my thirties. I'm getting married this fall. So that's that's a whole new uh, ground for me. Is just to try to learn to be some sort of an an adult. 
and be, I guess, what's the word? Uh, I guess I should be productive to social, uh, the social community and everyone involved and, and, and the people of the world. I should be more involved in that than myself. And that's, that's what I think I should do with my 30s. I was very involved with myself in my 20s. Who isn't? I mean, that's when you're trying to figure your shit out is in your 20s. You're there and, and you don't really know how things are going to turn out the next 40 to 50, maybe 70 years if you're lucky. You, you don't know how that's going to turn out. But in your 20s, you're just trying to enjoy your youth if you know that, that you should be enjoying it. I think some people probably, maybe even myself, but I wouldn't say too much, but some people probably enjoyed their 20s a little bit too much. You know, the dumbasses, the people that you can't trust or, you know, you watch them and they go through life just fucking shit up day after day after day. And I only fuck shit up every other day. So I feel like I am 50% ahead of them in in terms of life. That's or that's that's a whole uh, half a percentage if I'm doing something productive every other day and, and they're never doing anything productive. You know, at least I have a job. I have a steady job. I have a lady I'm getting married to. I have a wonderful dog. And, I mean, my life's great right now. I'd like to make something more of it, but you gotta you got to go with the flow. You gotta go where the tides take you. And my 20s took me a lot of places, but my 30s, I'm controlling the tides. I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be the one calling the shots, and I'm gonna be making something of it. And if I don't, if I don't make anything of myself by 40, I guess I'll just call it a day and, and, uh, just kinda glide through the rest of my life enjoying the things that I like. I'll never give up on the things that I like, but I'll give up on the th- on the thought that it might become something else. Which I think a lot of people, when you're younger, you you expect things to be easier, or you expect things to develop easier, or to become more clear when you get older. But they don't always do that. I will say, things are becoming a li- little bit more clear. I feel like I know who I am now. Pretty confident in that shit. Growing up, you don't really know who you are or where you stand. You make some bad decisions, and uh, you end up in a place you don't want to be. But for me, I always just tried to walk in the middle and and see where things took me. And I feel like I'm still kind of in a, in a middle ground rather than too far off, like someone who got a lot, a lot of tattoos and piercings or had, like, five kids or got really fucked up on drugs or went to prison. Like, I I haven't done any of that shit. I don't even have a tattoo. So, I feel like I'm doing all right. I'm still smooth sailing, steady sailing into my 30s. Looking forward to it. I hate to say that I'm 30. I do not look like I'm 30. Everyone calls me like 22 or 23. Uh, Though I'm starting to get some gray hairs. I got a few on the sides. And they're starting to become far more noticeable as as uh, the months and years go by. There's, there's gray hairs are coming in. I'm looking seasoned. 
I'm going to have a nice Reed Richards from Fantastic Four look going on here in about four years, I believe. That nice, you know, little season tone on the sides and, and a little bit dark on top. But you still got a thick head of hair. Because I'm not balding. I'm just going gray. It's a difference. So, yeah, sailing into my 30s here. Doing a, doing a decent job. Haven't fucked up too bad. Maybe fucked up a time or two, but haven't fucked up too bad. Not too far in debt. Uh, still a manageable amount. And uh, maybe a couple student loans left. But we are heading into the 30s. Pretty much on, on a decent ground here. Everything's looking positive. Everything's looking tight. And the only thing that's up in the air is my work ethic and how I'm going to approach these years and whether or not my energy and body will sustain how much energy I want to put into just having fun and and enjoying the last few years of, of a lot of energy and enthusiasm in my life before I become 100% jaded and cynical because I'm heading that way. I don't really want to, I know that's the path I'm down. don't really want to be jaded and cynical And there's a part of me that fights it. There's the light side and the dark side of me. The light side still pulls. But uh, I think the light side is actually pulling more now that I'm getting older. There's There's still a chance for me. I may be a Jedi Master one day. If not, I'll uh, be in the lava pit with Annie. So, as life goes... If you take any risks, but I, I mean, I feel like I've taken risks in my life, but I look at other people and it's not even close to the kinds of risks that other people have taken or or just how ballsy other people have been with their decisions or experiences and things that they've done. And at the same time, I see a lot of other people laying down far flatter than I am. I mean, at least, at least I'm trying to be creative and trying to do something. And, uh... I think that's all I really can do right now. Just be completely honest with you. Just, just keep trying. Just trying to put stuff out. I should uh, know that honey attracts flies more than vinegar. But uh, when you, you get on social media, that doesn't seem to be the case, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'll be thirty tomorrow. Thirty fucking years old on my th- third fucking decade. And here we go with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Ride along with me. Come along with Huff here on this journey, if you if you'd like, because it should be interesting. I do have a lot of things to talk about this week, though. Uh, to uh, get off the subject of of getting older and grayer. So yeah, let's. Uh, Let's get into some stuff and see what's on the docket this week. I'll go ahead and just get the uh, the old Master Chef news out of the way. Everyone knows if you've been listening that I'm a Master Chef fan. It's probably my favorite show on on television. You see a lot of talent on that show, and then it also becomes very intense watching even people who do really well still kind of be in a pressure situation it makes me think about how I would react in that situation I always like to think 
that I'd be up there, you know, uh, standing strong and not giving a shit. But I, I think when you're putting that situation around so much greatness and and, and so much on the line, including two hundred fifty thousand fucking dollars, uh, you'll probably be a little bit more emotional and intense than than you would think you would be. But uh, yeah, spoilers here. If you're a Master Chef fan, if not, then you're just going to listen to me ramble about some bullshit and probably be really bored with it and have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But yeah, here we go. Uh, the two people that were eliminated this week were Matt and Lindsay. Um, Matt was eliminated on the first round due to uh, some Cajun, or I believe it was like Cajun food, something from like New Orleans you're supposed to cook with like crawfish, shrimp, and fish. All, all stuff around the area that's sea-based. And I didn't think Matt's was the worst. I really didn't. I, it looked bad. And even the judges didn't didn't seem, in the edit of, of what they had said, didn't seem to think that it was horrible. But I thought Jed All was going to go home because the dish he served, he served a crawfish, and it still... He he tried to put a crawfish and shrimp into potatoes to cook it. He can't really do that. So he, he serves this crawfish with its intestinal tract still in it. And Anon Sanchez still wouldn't eat. I mean, he wouldn't eat that shit because he said it was disgusting. He left the fucking shit inside the food. I thought that should be an automatic disqualification. I think there are things in MasterChef that should automatically disqualify you, such as serving um, raw fish or any kind of raw meat that could make you sick. And I've seen it happen several times, but the, you know, Gordon Ramsay or whoever or the higher-ups, whoever's pulling the strings, they allow this to happen, and someone who has a dish that was actually cooked that might not have tasted as well, they go home, and instead of the person who was serving literal shit on a fucking plate. I don't understand how that's how that's fair at all. I, I think it should be disqualified. If you serve something that's too raw to eat, or if you serve uh, a crawfish or something with, with shit, or any kind of animal with shit still inside of it, that's that should be automatic disqualification. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. It's it's fucked up. So, yeah, Jaron should have went home. Uh, Matt shouldn't have. And that's that's a freaking shame. But they do have demographics to play out to, and they do have uh, uh, people to attract to watch the show. And it's all boiled down to some sort of formula. I'm sure they have in a computer somewhere, so that's that's why the guy who, who served shit on a plate got to stay in the game, I guess. Whatever, you know. It, it's really fucking stupid. Lindsay, who I was quite a fan of, she seemed like a very strong-willed woman who knew her way around uh, the kitchen. Uh, she was lesbian woman married, and her dream was to open a fancy diner in C- Cape Cod, which I find to be an amazing dream. Who wouldn't want to do that? It sounds great. I was, I was always pulling for her. I, I felt she was a competent cook, and she could have went a long way, much farther than the guy who served shit on a fucking plate. 
Uh, but she lost on the Salisbury steak round because, uh, I mean, honestly, though, what she put up there, it, it was worthy of elimination. But I, li- I liked her strive and I liked her attitude. And I I think she could have went a bit further if it wasn't for, you know, that to throw her off. So, Julia got the... Uh, the 30 minutes to make the Salisbury steak while everyone else got like 35, 40, and most of them got 45 minutes. And everyone was saying, there's no way she's going to be able to cook this Salisbury steak in 30 minutes with a whole meal. She ended up having one of the best on the entire competition. Even better than, than Lindsay, who had 45 minutes. She had an extra 15 minutes to cook. Julia still made a better dish which I, that was that's insane that is insane julia i think she's going to make it to top 5 possibly top 3 i don't know if she's going to be master chef as i've said before i'm still pulling for caesar and farhan farhan hasn't really been making a mark recently he's just been kind of you know gliding in there just just treading the waters but uh caesar He's still putting up great dishes every week. And you got to look out for Bowen on Gordon's team because that guy, he's always in there. He's, he's made maybe one mistake this season. The rest of the time, he's been flawless. So, yeah, that's my uh, little wrap-up of MasterChef. Sorry to uh, – probably not a great way to start off this podcast, boring people, if, especially if you don't don't like that sort of thing. But if, uh, if you never watched it, I really do recommend it. it it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I don't really have any real news this week, but I'll give you some news in my own personal life, something I've been dealing with. It's been hard to go through, but I'm feeling much better now that I'm on the other side of it. I am, after being a Columbus Blue Jackets fan for nearly 16 years, I'm taking my talents to San Jose. I'm going to the Sharks. I'm sick and fed up with the way the Columbus Blue Jackets organization treats the players, the fans, the management, just everything. It's disrespectful. There's a reason why Rick Nash didn't want to be there. There's a reason why Jeff Carter didn't want to be there. There's a reason why Panarin doesn't want to be there now. And Bob might even even be getting traded. Even he's not safe. Who knows? It's complete just demolishing the heart of this team. And because I think there isn't a heart to this team. And that's why people don't want to be there. Maybe just people just don't want to be in Columbus. I don't know. I live in Columbus. It's not that bad. Uh, I haven't been to many other places. I'm sure that uh, like California places are better. And that's why I'd like to you know, be, a, be a Sharks fan. My nickname's the Tiger Shark. I've I've followed that team for a while. I've never had anything against them. They used to be in our conference until we went to the Eastern Conference for the Blue Jackets. I should say we. I should say they now because I'm no longer with the Blue Jackets organization. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to the Sharks, and I'm going to be a Shark. I love their jerseys. I love their history. I love their players. I love Brent Burns. Uh, I think this is what I always wanted. Uh, it's it's not 
it's not like I'm betraying the Blue Jackets because they betrayed me. I got banned on, on a subreddit the other day for saying that it was pointless to sign a mediocre player for $2.5 million. I mean, why? Why would you do that? They do it all the time. They sign mediocre players for a shit ton of money, and then they let the great players go, like Panarin and Nash. Why? It's it's freaking stupid. They still got Brandon Dubinsky on the fucking team. They still got fucking Boone Jenner on the fucking team. They still want to have contracts and and relationships with those players who are shit. They don't show up. They don't do anything. Dubinsky's the dirty fuck. That guy, he deserved to get his fucking eye socket broke last year because he, he uh, he's a fucking bitch. He's a bitch out on the ice. He's like Brad Marchand. Fucking bitch. Brad Marchand's definitely more talented than Brandon Dubinsky, but they're both bitches out on the fucking ice. And uh, he deserved that. And I don't know why they keep deciding to sign stupid fucking dirty players like Brandon Dubinsky. And uh, Boone Jenner is not really a, a dirty player. He's had a couple dirty plays. Um, but he's he's didn't put up a whole lot last year. He was kind of invisible. Uh, they let Thomas Vanek go. I didn't expect him to stick around. He's only here for a season. I enjoyed him sticking around for the time he did. I wish he would have been here longer, but no one wants to be here in Columbus. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would just really like to watch a competent team and, and pull for a competent team. If nothing else, I'll have an Eastern team and a Western team. Yeah, Eastern team, I guess, would be the Blue Jackets. Western team would be the Sharks, even though... I'm kind of against the Blue Jackets. Just the way the fan base has treated me for for disagreeing with with their stupid fucking decisions. They all have so much blind loyalty to a logo that it's ridiculous. It's like, oh yeah, we're making the right decisions by signing these mediocre players for long-term contracts at way overpriced so we don't have a salary cap later to spend on great players or even, even a good player. Fucking Bobrovsky, he's the best player on our team. And he's a goalie. He's not a forward. He doesn't he can't score for the team. We need someone who can score. The best player on our team can't score. And we don't have any scorers come here. Except Panarin, and now he doesn't want to be here because either management treated him wrong or he's a bitch. It's it's one or the other there. It's it's literally one or the other. And from the trends I've seen of watching this team for you know, 15, 16 years, I'd say it's bad management at this point. So I'm taking my talents to San Jose, and I'm looking forward to a great season watching the San Jose Sharks. And, yeah, it's going to be a whole new experience for me, just to see a different team and follow a different team, get to know it all with them, and and really see how a a different city and team develops and what their culture is about. I'm looking forward to that. should be fun. So, uh, I'm not trying to waste a whole lot of time this week, so we'll get straight into Hoff's movie review. Uh, this week, I'm going to just talk about the only movie I've watched this week. Uh, it's one of those films... That that your girlfriend or your lady might put on, uh, and then you walk in, or maybe you're just sitting there and she puts it on, 
without your consent, and you're like, eh, I'm not sure about this one. Not too sure. And, you know, about 90% of the time I'm right. It's, it's, it, they're they're t- typically not great movies. Uh, my lady loves them, but I don't. Sometimes I get involved. Uh, came home from work about a month ago, and she was watching The Staircase on Netflix, and she fell asleep about five episodes in, and I, I came into it about three episodes in. So we are, we watched uh, about two episodes together, but I, I ended up staying up the entire night and watched the entire series because I wanted to know how this uh, that that Michael Peterson trial turned out and where he was today. I'm sure it's old news. I could have looked it up way before the end of the film or, or series, but I, I wanted to. I didn't know the story. I wanted to go along for the ride, and it was fun. I still, uh, I'll bring up the staircase later, uh, probably on a later episode of Hoff Solo. But I'll say now that uh, that Michael Pearson guy, creepy as shit, uh, definitely shifty, shady motherfucker. But if I was in the jury, I got to say there's there's reasonable doubt. Uh, I, I I couldn't call him guilty. Reasonable doubt. Uh, even scientists couldn't figure that shit out. But the jury sitting there, uh, they were convinced somehow. Perhaps monetarily. Anyways, my movie review for this week is a film that you can watch on Netflix. And it's called I Don't Feel at Home in this world anymore. Uh, probably one of the longest titles for a film I've ever seen, and I had to look it up to make sure I was correct uh, in the phrasing before I started to talk about it. Now, I did watch this film start to finish. Now, I'll admit that it, it's not the kind of film that I would put on uh, my own uh, at my own leisure, but... It's something that I would watch if someone else wanted to watch it. Maybe like a significant other that, you know, you care about them and you try to take interest in in their interests. So you want to bond and spend time. And it can't always be about uh, me and Star Wars and Avengers all the time. So so I put my time and effort into watching movies my lady likes to watch. I reviewed Shape of Water on a on a previous podcast. This one, uh, I don't feel at home in this world. Uh, let's let's take a look at this shit here because I'll give you my review of the movie, but I also want to get uh, some details in about it. Uh, apparently, it, it was released last year in February, uh, two thousand seventeen, and uh, it stars Melanie Linsky. She is the main character. I've seen her in, in a few things, but I think what most people will probably recognize her from is the uh, great uh, sitcom. One of the greatest sitcoms of all time, Two and a Half Men. I mean, that show is just fucking hilarious, is it not? I mean, it's it's Charlie Sheen and and some douchebag and, and an annoying little kid. I mean, it's it's hilarious. Oh, my God. How'd they come up with that? Charlie Sheen. Oh, my oh my God. Fucking hilarious guy. 
No, I always, always thought of Charlie Sheen as a comedian. Uh, that guy, <laughs> he really makes me laugh. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, she, Melanie Linsky was uh, from Two and a Half Men. She stars as the main character, Ruth, in this film. And from what you watch in the trailers for this movie, it's it's not what you expect it to be. In fact, I think you could make probably 50 trailers about this movie and you still wouldn't really get what the movie is trying to purvey because it's 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 all over the place. The movie is literally all over the fucking place. I was, I'm going I'm to do spoilers, so if you don't like spoilers, don't listen from here on out. The movie's all over the fucking place. It's like probably about six to ten genres in one movie. Uh, it's definitely an indie movie, but it tries to be something else. It tries to be like ten more things. And while enjoyable, and I found it to be an intriguing, and, and I had a lot of fun with it, uh, I just felt it was too inconsistent, uh, too many different tones to this movie. Every two to five minutes, if you feel like you're watching a different movie, there's really no tone to it. Uh, the plot is about this middle-aged woman who lives alone. She's single, doesn't have kids or a husband, and she's just fed up with the world treating her like shit from her perspective at least um she seems to be quite a negative person though if if you watch her character throughout the film she doesn't seem like she's really into helping other people she's more about kind of defending herself and, and and hating everything that's going on around her uh and i think a lot of us can relate to that but a mature person is able to deal with the fact that things happen and you can't control everything. But this woman, she wants control. She wants to do something about the injustices in her life. Uh, and then uh, it's also starring, uh, sure, as many people, one of population's favorite actors, one of mine, certainly, uh, Elijah Wood. Good old Frodo there. Uh, he was the good son in The Good Son. And uh, he was in Sin City. Got his limbs chopped off. Great actor. Great actor. It takes a great actor to get your fucking limbs chopped off. I'm looking at you, Hayden Christensen. Hell of an actor. But, yeah. Uh, they end up meeting uh, Ruth and... What the fuck is his name? I gotta look this shit up. He plays Tony, that's right. And I do kind of feel like this character is a little bit off for Elijah Wood. Uh, this character is supposed to be kind of a kind of a badass with a sense of humor, but someone with Elijah Wood's physique, much like my own, does not come off like a badass. We're small and we got baby faces. So when you try to play like, uh, I mean, maybe he's supposed to come off as a loser. And I, I kind of think that too, because he's not really living the best life, but he doesn't really come off as a badass as much as they try to purvey his sense of, 
his love for metal music and like his rat tail and I'm I'm sure that's parody, uh, tongue in cheek. But like he's lifting weights and shit. And I I that's probably probably the entire joke of his character. But it just comes off the wrong way with him because I I just don't think he he's made for that role. Uh, but to uh, disagree with my own point there, I loved him in this movie, and I really think that, goddamn, his sense of humor, he made me laugh really hard several times throughout this movie. Uh, so he's welcome. He's welcome. I just don't think it was the right type of character for him to play. I think they should have made him less of a, uh, like, sort of a, you know, stereotype. I don't think it's a stereotype, but more of just a... Uh, uh, the classification of a, of a person. I think they could have went with a different route with the same core characteristics, and it really wouldn't have made much of a difference, but his character would have definitely fit in uh, to the movie a little bit better. He could have just been like a lazy slacker dude. He didn't have to be like a metalhead with a rat, rat tail or you know wearing Saxon shirts and having a Saxon poster on his wall. That probably boiled down to uh, the director's notes, I'm guessing. Uh, the director was Macon Blair. Who the, who the fuck names their kid Macon? Jesus Christ. First of all, it's not a it's not a good-sounding name. It's not easy to say. Plus, it rhymes with bacon. I guess if your logic is that your kid's name rhymes with bacon, that people will like them because he doesn't fucking like bacon. Macon, come on, don't, don't call your kid fucking Macon, Jesus Christ. I mean, they may grow up to be a, to be a film director one day. Maybe not a famous one, maybe they'll be doing Netflix shows. Just don't name your kid fucking Macon. How old is this guy? He was born in 1974. There is not a date, there's not a real date for his birth. It just says 1974 is not, uh... Not like uh, April 17th or uh, November 12th. It's just 1974. There's not a whole lot of information about him on his Wikipedia page. His filmography. Uh, Logan Lucky. He was on that. I've not seen that yet, but I've heard good things about Logan Lucky. Seems like a similar kind of movie, though. So maybe he's an up-and-coming kind of guy. Maybe we'll hear about Megan Blair more in the future. Or I'll call him... Uh, Bacon Mayor. Sounds a little bit better. Bacon Mayor. The Mayor of Bacon. Oh my god. Wouldn't you want to meet the Mayor of Bacon? Wouldn't you shake his hand? Oh man. I mean, it's got to be a good mayor. Mayor of fucking Bacon. He's out there just fucking slanging strips all over the fucking town. Everyone has a good breakfast in this city. No one's complaining. And then his uh, his vice mayor or whatever his his assistants Ian he's uh he's Mr Egg and he's there to help you out with the other side of the bacon matters. God, that was fucking stupid. I'm sorry for that. All right, but yeah, this movie I'll talk about a little bit more here. Uh, this lady, she's really fed up with being treated uh, poorly. She thinks she's just not getting her way in the world. She's not getting her share. And it, it shows her in the beginning, which is basically the trailer of the movie that kind of 
lead you to think it's going to be based on different things, which is, I think, why my girlfriend decided to watch it. She's like, I can relate to this woman. Uh, she feels like everyone hates her, too. No one hates my girlfriend, though. Maybe, like, two, two sad sacks. But it's... It leads you to think that the movie's just going to be kind of a, a philosophical droll of a sad woman's life. It picks up after like 15 minutes uh, when, when Elijah Wood's dog shits in her yard and she calls him out on it. And he's like, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was just kind of lost in my own thoughts. I apologize for that, and she still thinks he's an asshole. But of course, being two stars, obviously Elijah Wood, a much bigger star in uh, in the world, they uh, they come they come together and they they form a relationship. And he wants to help her, and I think he starts falling for her. But he doesn't really have much else going for him in his life, I guess, because it comes back to what I said earlier about him being sort of a loser. So. Uh, there's even a point where he's like looking at stuff on his computer and a bunch of porn pops up and he, he closes it real quick. He's just, he's kind of a loser dude. She looks older than him, but they're probably the same age. I know Elijah Wood's been around a bit. Uh, he's probably almost 40 now. Let's, let's Google that shit. Uh, let's, let's see how old Elijah Wood is because he still looks like he's 25. Yeah, he is at this point point in time, um, motherfucker, since the old, uh, internet deal, they don't give you the right shit, he's 37, looking like 25, he's got that baby face, he's got those beautiful blue eyes, and, uh, so yeah, they, they kind of, uh, bond, and her problem is that her house was robbed, uh, stole her grandmother's silverware, which is basically what the entire movie boils down to, is her trying to get that silverware back in her medication for her depression. So it ends up just being kind of a wild goose chase and and, and almost seamless, endless hunt to uh, track down these these items for herself. And then when she gets them, she just finds out it, it, it's maybe it's, you know, it's not exactly what she was looking for. But then the movie goes on another half hour. And there's action and suspense and horror and love. And you'd think this sounds great, but it's not. It's not in any sort of tone setting. It's, a lot of it just comes out of fucking nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the real problem with the movie. The movie's pretty damn enjoyable. But you're just thrown off course constantly um, thinking you're watching a different movie every about five to ten minutes. It's, it's just completely uh, erratic and, and inconsistent. I think Macon Blair, I think Bacon Buddy, you better... Uh, you better start uh, pulling up your bootstraps if you want to become a filmmaker because you need to be a little bit more consistent in this shit. Overall, uh, I liked the movie. I didn't think it was great. Will I watch it again? No. I'll never watch this movie again in my life. Uh, I'm glad I watched it once, like many movies that I've seen. I think that's really where my rating scale 
boils down is, uh, would I watch it again? And for this one, it's a no. Uh, I'd give it a percentage rating of probably about uh, 73%. Uh, it was okay. I liked the actor, the main actors. Uh, the, the plot was okay. It had me guessing at some points, but not really too much through it. And a couple of surprises. But the surprises came at a cost. I didn't really, uh, I didn't really care for. It's just completely out of tone with the rest of the movie. So yeah, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I recommend watching it once. If you don't like where it's heading, turn it off because, I mean, it does it does change. So it's hard to say. It's like Ohio weather. It's hard to say if you would like it or not unless you spent the entire like hour and a half to two hours with it, but because uh, it 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 just changes all the time. But yeah, I do recommend watching it once. If you don't like what you're seeing at first, yeah, turn turn that shit off because it, it's not your uh, it's not a movie that you're gonna want to watch a second time. I guarantee it. And, and I hate that movies are still being made that are only good for a one-time watch. I think that's why movies like Star Wars and and the Marvel movies are, are so great is because you can go back and you can watch them many times and still enjoy them because the plots are so simple. You know what's going to happen. It's not about the end game with those movies. It's about the journey. You know how the movie's going to fucking end. You know the good guy's going to beat the fucking bad guy. That's what's going to happen in a fucking superhero movie. If you go into one thing and that's not going to happen, or even that's if that's even on your fucking mind before you walk in the theater and buy a ticket, why are you there? You know what you're going to see, but you're there to see the journey. So if the end game doesn't really matter as much, you just want to be on for the journey, uh, I don't recommend... <laughs> I don't recommend this movie because it's not a journey you're, you're really going to want to do a second time. Uh, it has no replay value or longevity. Otherwise, yeah, it's a decent film. It's not the worst I've ever seen. And uh, what did I say? About 73%. What is that about C? Yeah, I'll give it that. Sounds about fair. So, you, so yeah. Uh, if you watch it, you listen to the podcast... Email hoffmandone at gmail.com or get at me at my Twitter account at johnhoffman2112. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just try to do a couple more things here and head off for the day. But I'll just, uh, I'll discuss a little music for a bit. It's not my recommendation for the week at this point. I do recommend listening to this band, though. I saw them uh, on Monday uh, with my lady. She's a big fan. It's the band The Felice Brothers. You might not have heard of them. Uh, they're not really a huge band, but they've been around for a while. Uh, brothers Ian and James Felice. Uh, Ian is the guitar player and lead vocalist, and James is the accordion slash keyboard player. Uh, the rest of the band has kind of revolved throughout the years, from my understanding, with, with many different players. But their sound is sort of... Uh, Sort of like a Bob Dylan mixed with a Bruce Springsteen, but not in a bad way. It's it's enjoyable. Uh, they played for roughly an hour and 15 minutes, which I thought 
it's kind of a short set. They came out for an encore and did a couple of songs, but uh, every time this the the singer Ian would say, "We're gonna try a new one out," I, I didn't I didn't really care for that song. They all seemed to be very political and and basic and very very Springsteen uh, or Dylan, I guess. Uh, the best stuff is is the the more personal reflective things that they write about. And they're fun, they're talented, they they have a great sound. Uh, the songs that you want to hear by this band, I think, are the ones where Ian is uh, just really giving it his all emotionally, which he does every song, but the ones where you can tell he feels it, and you can see it in his face when he's playing every time. I've seen his videos on YouTube for a long time, and the man, you can see the pain in his eyes. And I don't, I'm not saying that I, as a person, I want to see pain in a person's eyes. What I'm saying is, if you're going to put that art out that has come from pain, then the way you should, you know, project that piece of art is in the same manner that you wrote it in, which is, I'm sure is hard to do. But if you write it with enough heart and passion that, Anytime you play it, those feelings are going to arise in you and arise in your audience. Then I think that's what makes a true artist and a true musician. So, yeah, I got to see them. It's a great time. Uh, very small show. Probably one of the smallest shows I've ever been to. Uh, it's here in Columbus the Roomba Cafe. It's just a bar with a, with a stage in it. Just like a small bar with a stage in it. There are... There was not enough room. Uh, there was enough room for the crowd, but there was not enough room in general. And I could have walked from the bar to the stage in about two to three steps. So yeah, it was very, very small. You know, one of the, one of the smallest venues. But they're they're a really good band. They're not something that I listen to very often, uh, especially on my own. But I do appreciate it, and I like whenever uh, my, my my lady listens to them and brings them up. I, I bought her Ian Felice's solo album last year. I bought her uh, T-shirt and vinyl at the at the show this week, and we got to meet James and Ian. And uh, I took I took the picture of my lady with Ian, and she was very very happy about that. And he was a very kind man. I appreciate his. Uh, his gesture there to take a picture with my girlfriend. I mean, it's not like there was a crowd of groupies around him or anything. Like, uh, I saw Royal Blood, and there was a crowd of groupies around the singer. Uh, but, uh, Mike, yeah, but, uh, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't that here. There was just, he was just out talking to some people out in the, uh, patio. And I kind of felt bad to go up to him and talk to him. I actually waited for a little bit. Normally, if I see someone I, I admire or, or a musician, I'll go straight up to him. But this guy, he was just too normal. It was just like bothering uh, someone on the street almost, the way he was standing there. Um, he was very kind, very gracious, and I appreciate that. So, uh, cheers to the Fleece Brothers. Now, I will go in. To my music recommendations for the week. Oh, yeah. 
right, well, this week I got something that I'm just coming into. I'm not even a veteran of this band. I mean, everyone's a veteran of the one song. Uh, maybe even about three. But overall, I haven't listened to this band a ton. I'm talking about good old Steely Dan. I don't even know much about this band. I'm pretty sure that the the singer is not named Dan. I'm not even sure where that band name came from. Guarantee it's on Wikipedia. You can let me know about that later, or I can look it up myself. But I heard this song this week because I was on my Spotify. I was kind of like going through some classic stuff, and I, I was just letting it play and just kind of discovering new things. But this one song hit me. It's called King of the World by Steely Dan. And this is on their album Countdown to Ecstasy, which I have since listened to the entire album. It's all pretty damn good. And this song still stands out to me. It's the last track on the album, and it is, it, it's a fucking banger. It, it, it's got this groove to it I've never heard in a song before. Uh, that very progressive sort of feel to it is there. If you're familiar with, like, uh, Genesis or Rush or Yes, it, that feeling is in it. And his vocals on the verse have definitely have that era. You know, it shows its age where it's sort of like a guy singing through a microphone. They hike 3K on the EQ and uh, double up the vocals several times. And then when the chorus hits, they bring it back down to a regular voice. So it kind of pops. Uh, it's that kind of sound. But the instrumentation, their choices of instruments in, throughout the song and the little flares, flourishes, and licks just just tickle my fancy bone right there. Right in the good place. And it's a hell of a song. I mean, everyone knows, everyone knows the good old uh, Go Back, Jack, do it again. Everyone knows that one, but uh, this this is one I don't think I've ever heard on the radio or anywhere else before. I think it's too long. It's, it's probably like a six or seven minute song, so it's uh, I don't think it's a radio tune. Have you seen that uh, that ad for the Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody movie about Freddie Mercury, where the guy is. Uh, I guess like he's the record record executive. He's he's like this song Bohemian Rhapsody. It's too long. It's six minutes. And then Freddie Mercury's like, if you think six minutes is forever, then I pity your wife. And it's a great it's a great fucking line. Great fucking line. Stuck with me. I don't know if I'll go see that movie in theaters, but I'll definitely see it eventually. I, I love Freddie Mercury, but it seems this. From what I saw in the trailers, it almost seems like a parody of the band than an actual respectable biopic. So, I don't know about it. I like the jokes. I, I like the way it's filmed, but it just seems overdone. Uh, trying to overdo the nostalgia factor. and I mean, things weren't like that whenever it was happening. It wasn't a moment in time. No one was recording it. No one really knows what was said in those situations, yet they try to recreate them through film uh, and uh, some sort of biography like this. And maybe things were said, maybe things were done, but I guarantee it's not the same thing that you're going to see in the movie. 
uh, unless it's like a representation of Freddie Mercury playing on Wembley Stadium, you know, which that happened. It's easy to recreate, but it's very difficult to recreate any sort of scenes or scenarios that haven't been actually recorded or, you know, any sort of proof that they happened. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could say, oh, well, Bohemian Rhapsody happened, so that's proof enough. Yeah, but how did it get there? Uh, are the stories told in this movie accurate? Uh, or are they just based on hearsay and the way the director imagined how it happened? That's all I'm saying. You gotta take that into account. And I don't think that uh, a biography movie about one of the greatest singers, if if not the greatest singer of all time, uh, should be a parody or or inaccurate, or even should be done at all. I think there's enough history and video to tell the story itself for Freddy. But, uh, yeah, I'll probably end up seeing it. Won't go to theaters, but I'll, I'll end up seeing it. So, yeah, cheers to Freddie Mercury. Cheers to Steely Dan. If you listen to Steely Dan or if you know more about them than me, recommend some better songs. I plan on going through the whole catalog soon. But uh, I'm really on King of the World right now. I think that's, that's a hell of a fucking song. That's great. I do want to talk about a conspiracy that I myself may have uncovered. That's right. You're getting the scoop right here, boys. Exclusive content. Up to date. One of the hardest hitting conspiracies of all time. I believe... (laughs) I believe that Joe Satriani, the guitar player, Joe Satriani, I believe he's, he's, he's a fucking alien. I don't think he is a human. Seriously. Uh, I think that Joe Satriani is proof that aliens are living among us. And it's not because he is just out of this world on guitar. That's part of it. Yeah, he's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. He taught Steve Vai. He taught Kirk Hammett. And he's still plugging on to this day. Even if his new stuff that's coming out is a little bit more formulaic than his old stuff, it's not bad. But I'll tell you why I think this motherfucker's an alien. First of all, uh, he's like 60 years old. And he looks still like he's like 30 years old. Which I might have this happen to me one day. Or I might have it hit me all at once. I don't know. I'm still looking like I'm uh, 22. I got the grays coming in. Told you that earlier. But uh, this guy, he shaved... You know, he's... This is another thing I want to bring up. He's bald. Shaved all that hair off. Which makes him even more kind of a... Kind of an alien-like creature. you never seen an... Uh, like one of those little gray aliens with, with any kind of hair or hairstyle or hairdo. Have you? I haven't. But yeah, he's, he's this bald guy. He looks looks young as shit. Phenomenal on guitar. And also, the man always wears sunglasses. What's he hiding? What's he hiding back there? Does he got those fucking eyelids that go back and forth like men in black? Or does he just have eyes that don't blink? The man wears them when he's on stage at night in the studio. The man wears them all the time. 
I have seen video without them on. But, I mean, those are controlled environments. Those are for him. He can control. He's comfortable there. He has no fear of mutating back into his reptilian form. And then, the last point of evidence that I'd like to bring up about Joe Satriani being an alien is the fact that the motherfucker has several songs about aliens and being an alien and being in space. His first song on his first fucking album of the same name is called Not of This Earth. Not of this earth. Then he comes out with another great song and album. By the way, that's a great track. Not of this earth. That whole album's great. Actually, everything Joe Satriani pretty much has done is great. But anyways, he comes out with one called Surfing with the Alien. Which is a track he wrote. But I feel like his, his, uh, his PR team is like, that's too obvious. People are going to think they're surfing with you. You're the alien. We can't let this get out. Uh, let's, let's base it off, perfect fit, uh, Silver Surfer, he's an alien, and he surfs, let's put that on the cover of the album, we'll pay a lot of money to get that artwork, and there's rights, and, uh, it'll be one of the greatest instrumentals, and one of the greatest, uh, album cover arts of all time, and he's like, yeah, sure, I don't want to go back to my planet, and then, he writes an album called Crystal Planet. Crystal Planet. Who thinks of this? Unless you're from a crystal planet. Joe Satriani's, where he's originally from, is a very mineralistic, uh, crystalline structure. Uh, spherical, maybe not in this galaxy. We've never detected it, unless it's the moon of a different planet. But... He's telling us where he's from. So I, I think that the entire view of this artist, this phenomenal artist who came out of nowhere, play guitar like no one ever has or no one ever will. If you ever watched his live videos, the man doesn't make a mistake. Man doesn't make a mistake. You know why? Guitar is so simple to him. He doesn't have to think about it. It's so simple because he's thinking on a higher, like, uh, consciousness. He's on a different dimension. He's playing with us. So, I'm telling you right now, Joe Satriani is a fucking alien. And he'll never get out unless I am here to tell you that. So, spread the word. It's not a negative thing. I fucking love Joe Satriani, one of the greatest musicians and guitar players of all time. But the motherfucker's an alien. He's not he's not from Earth. He's not Terran. He's messing with us. So uh yeah, hashtag uh Joe Satriani is an alien. Put that on your Twitter account. Cause it's true. And on that note, we're an hour in here just about, so I will get to, uh, I'll get to my final thought here. I'll get to my final thought. 
A lot of people want to see you fail. A lot of people want to tear you down. A lot of people don't want to see you do what they can't. A lot of people don't want you to do what they can't. A lot of people want to bring you down. And that's that's what I've kind of experienced recently in my life as I've tried more. It's uh, It's kind of weird. I've never been too much for self-promotion or social media or any of that, that sort of thing. But it's coming it's coming around now that the more you try, that the more people kind of just want to tear you down. But I'm here to say, I ain't going nowhere. Hoff's going to be here every week. He's going to be bringing you subpar content for whenever you, you run out of other podcasts you don't want to listen to. He's going to be here for you. Each and every week. And Hoff ain't got too much negative to say in a personal matter. He's just here to have fun and have a good time. Why am I speaking in fucking third person? Uh, yeah, just, just what I'm saying is don't let people tear you down. Uh, follow, follow your dreams. Follow your passions. Keep on your own track. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're taking care of your responsibilities. Make sure you're doing what you need to do. But... When you have that time to put in to what you want to do with your life or even just to think about it and sort of plan, get an idea, I think it's time to start taking action. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I'm here right now. I'm giving you my time. And only four people will probably hear this, but I don't care. I also, I really love having this as just sort of uh, an audio diary for me to to listen back on uh, in a few years or 10 years or 20. I don't know how long it's going to fucking last. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to have that to look back on as well. But I also want to connect with people, entertain people and, and talk with people. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's at John Hoffman 2112, J-O-H-N-H-O-F-F-M-A-N 2112. Uh, you can contact us on Gmail, Hoffandun at gmail.com. It's H-O-F-F-A-N-D-D-U-N-N at gmail.com. Got it that time, hell yes. So, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share, like, comment, subscribe, suck Dunn's dick, whatever the fuck we gotta do to, uh, to get, to get people involved and to get me involved in, in you people. What do you mean, you people? (laughs) So, I'm, I'm just, uh, putting this out there. I hope you like it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. At least... At least you can feel better about yourself after listening to this, if nothing else. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll be like, eh, guy's dumb as shit. What the hell is he talking about? Glad I'm not wasting my time doing what he's doing. So, as long as you get something out of this, you're making me happy. Even at my expense. I love you all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hoff Solo. Cheers! Cheers!